0: Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin-Kirai. To say Shrek 2 is good or bad is missing the point. In calendar year 2004, it was the most commercially popular movie in the world, earning more than $900 million. It tells the ongoing story of Shrek, a green ogre voiced by Mike Myers, typically portrayed as a villain in various of the folk stories and tales that surround the source book Shrek by William Steig. Shrek has fallen in love with Princess Fiona, voiced by Cameron Diaz. They are now married. Donkey, voiced by Eddie Murphy, Shrek's best friend and loyal companion, must get out of the way to accommodate Fiona and Shrek's ongoing relationship. In the background, what we have is a secondary story of Prince Charming, voiced by Rupert Everett, who was once tasked with awakening Fiona and giving her the gift of true love's kiss in order to free her from a dragon that was keeping her trapped in a tower. Around them are a bevy of different characters we know from fairy tales and various companies' IP. Altogether, the fun of watching any of the Shrek movies, but perhaps foremost among them Shrek 2, is the speed with which the filmmakers combine pop-cultural references to topical events of the early arts and also many many references to fairy tale stories that we have inherited through the decades of American popular culture much of this territory is well mined by the Disney corporation and so we have nods at Cinderella and at Rapunzel, and so on and so forth. But the nuance that gets me this time through, in my firm middle years, re-watching this movie after a gap of more than 17 years, is that I don't know what the purpose of all of these references is. To backpedal a moment, let's understand that one of the complaints about a very busy movie like this defines me as an An old man. man. And I accept that to a degree different from how I once learned to consider the topic of postmodernity as a young person first nibbling on the subject in college. What is the postmodern condition? Well, it is a set of expressive modes in which the present expression is always pointing backwards on pre-existing sources because the current iteration, the current form of expression, does not itself hold an original nugget of truth or consequential behavior, all by its lonesome. If we're to make a brand new building, we're going to cause that building to reflect on and copy the successful features of old buildings. If we're going to create a garment, that garment will reflect the best features of pre-existing garments. It won't strike out on its own. And so the postmodern is a referential navel-gazing mode in which we digest expression because the current expression, in this example, Shrek 2, is referring back through a tradition that it is now part of, but that's its only reason to be. As a young person, I enjoyed this postmodern mode thoroughly because I was becoming in the know about what postmodern projects were referencing and thinking about and considering. As I have aged, though, I want my public art to reflect on something deeper than just referentiality. But let me explain myself with a concrete example partway through the adventures of Shrek 2, which feature the fact that both Shrek and Fiona wish to please the other through transforming fundamental aspects of themselves using magic. While that's relatively benign on its face, lovers often want to make their love known through self-sacrifice to please the love object. In this case, it means both of them give up their ogre selves to become hyper-idealized versions of humankind, Partway through the experience of this movie, there's a sudden break where the animation quality drifts and softens and becomes less good because we're now mimicking an ongoing sequence of the show Cops. Tonight on Night. Ah, now here's a good show. We got a white bronco heading east into the forest, requesting backup. It's time for the men in steel to teach these madcap mammals their devil-made-mare attitudes just won't fly. Ow! Ow! Will they get away with it The three little pigs, the big bad wolf, the gingerbread man, and the three blind mice watch Shrek, who is in human form, being chased by the official police force of the kingdom, far far away from which Fiona is trying to escape. It's a very funny sequence, and as you watch it, you come to realize that they're defining Shrek's adventures against this pablum from American pop culture dating back to the 1980s that a great many of us are aware of. But it doesn't do something terribly original except transform that into an animated production with soft touches of medieval technology. Rather than watch Shrek race in a small sedan or coupe, he's on horseback. Instead of being pepper sprayed, a pepper grinder is ground into his face. Instead of there being surveillance helicopters overhead, there are balloons. These gags are funny, but as I left this movie, the illusion that Shrek 2 is creating crumbled. I thought it was pleasurable in the speed of its references, but I didn't understand any deeper point. The central message of a love affair run aground against the crossed expectations of its two participants is something that I've seen before. It's not new. And so this movie is an evergreen field of potential. But to make the whole thing come to life, it largely rests on making references to material that comes from the wider world. Perhaps the earliest example that used to please me and now doesn't comes very early in the movie, when we watch as Fiona and Shrek go about enjoying what amounts to their honeymoon, they've asked Donkey to leave their home so they can domicile together and bond, and they are at an inn governed by the rules of Hansel and Gretel. There's a knocking at the door where Little Red Riding Hood offers them food, is freaked out that they're ogres, and runs away. And from here, the Counting Crows show up with their song Accidentally in Love. So she said- and as the song plays, we watch a series of references. Among them, we see Fiona and Shrek rolling across the surf of a beach, kissing one another, which is like From Here to Eternity. Because the surf overwhelms them, Fiona temporarily disappears and we realize that Shrek is on his back holding Ariel, the Little Mermaid. This incenses Fiona, who grabs Ariel by the tail, tossing her into the ocean where she is quickly attacked by a pair of sharks. We transform from that moment, still counting crows singing away, to a sequence in which Snow White's dwarves are creating a ring, a ring of power which directly references Frodo's wielding of the Ring of Power from the Fellowship of the Ring, including that magnificent slow-motion toss into the air where the ring tumbles up and then down, finally landing right on Frodo's fingertips. Having just re-watched Fellowship of the Ring, I think it has messages that are still useful to us today, themes of friendship and of loyalty and of sacrifice and of the value of standing up to evil. Shrek 2 does not have any lesson to tell us. When I reflect on the entertainment that I experience, I want it to do more work than just boggle me with references. I believe that all viewers, when the movie is done, will largely be singing the Ricky Martin song, in La Vida Loca, because that's how the movie concludes, which means it doesn't have a real core of its own beliefs or values outside of referring to things that we will recognize, and that brings us pleasure in the recognition but little else. Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin-Kirai. Boop-boopity-doo!